0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine On Tap. I'm Jason Kopek here once again at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company. Got the good Dr. Frey with me. Doc, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jason. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Another beautiful uh, evening down here, huh? Yes, it is, my friend. Part of the reason why we were going to kick tonight's discussion off, um, th- there was a little something I didn't tell you about tonight, was I felt like in 40-plus episodes, mm-hmm. I asked for that one with Cam Akers because I needed those answers from Dr. Brandt professionally. Right. I didn't know how he returned from Achilles surgery so quickly. Yeah. Shocked us. Right. But this one was like, this was on a personal level. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to have a podcast and then not use it to my advantage. (laughs) And a few years ago, I picked up running. Yeah. And I just went through the gauntlet of Avengers when I started. Just like everybody else. And then I was like, we have this tremendous guest opportunity. Right. An employee of the Energy Lab. Right. The great Brittany Lynch. And I was like, <laughs> we got to get her on here. Heck yeah. Because I'm going to ask all of my questions that I've just been dying to know. So Brittany, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. For very sure. excited to be here. I
0: know it took a lot to get you down here, worked it into your <laughs> schedule. This is the energy lab is not what you do full time. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So um, I am a University of Delaware grad. So go blue hands in my undergrad and graduate <laughs> degree. I did a sports residency in Pittsburgh and spent about 10 years of my professional career out there and then recently moved back to southern New Jersey to be closer to family. My interests from a professional standpoint are primarily athletes working with runners. Um, I worked in professional settings, I worked with collegiate runners. And so, yeah, so I'm excited to be here tonight to talk about, you know, my clinical experiences and what I've seen in the management of runners, as well as just be able to be a part of the energy lab. In it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Downtown. I'm not quite downtown.
0: (laughs) And what is your role with the energy lab?
1: So I am a physical therapist, Mm -hmm. but more so my role in the energy lab is performance based and not so much the rehab side of things. Mm -hmm. So if you're in that acute stage and working with a physical therapist, great. And then you get into that later stage and you're really trying to get back to where you were before you got injured or even beyond. That's kind of where I come into play.
0: Right. So when, when the pandemic first hit is when it was a little bit before that, that I decided that I, I always found running fascinating, just seeing people running down the road and, you know, what mile are they on? Did they just start? Are they just ending? Do they have why any, are they doing that? Why are, I mean, I hate cardio. <laughs> so to begin right. to right, right, right. <laughs> um, And I, I even remember thinking like, you know do they have a plan? Are they just running and then yeah. turning around at a certain point? prefer
2: perfectly honest, that's me.
0: And, and, and truthfully, I think, you know, looking back on it, I, a lot of people turn to sourdough and, you know, home activities and running, it, it was a tremendous thing for me during the pandemic. And right. I think the smartest thing I ever did was I had hired a running coach right before. And unfortunately, Brittany, you and I didn't know each other at the time. And I have nothing great things to say about the person I hired. I, I can't imagine have been doing it without his guidance that whole time. But unfortunately I wasn't always truthful with him. And he would, you know, we would speak almost not, I wouldn't say daily, but a few times a week. How you feeling? How you feeling? I'm doing great, man. My times are coming down. I'm feeling better when in the truth, it just wasn't really the case. Really? Um, I went from somebody, you know, I did a Why lot of Why like, would you fib? I don't know. I just was like, I don't want him to like back off. Like I'm, it's, yeah. it's the only thing I have to do all day right now. <laughs> right. right? Like I'm gonna run today. <laughs> and I didn't want to, like, tailor the program down. I had done, like, some sprint triathlons, which the running part would be, like, a 5K. And I did a couple 5K charity turkey trot on Thanksgiving. And right. that was, like, the extent of my cardio. But I always had the broad street on my bucket list. And, you know, I ended up doing that in 2020, although it was virtual. And right, I did it right, again right. in 21. And you, you did do it again. Yeah. So, so you I got it, the real experience. So, and that's what I, I told him. I was, like, I, I, I ran 10 miles, mm-hmm. and I was happy with that. And yeah. then but I also wanted that experience of running with like thousands of people. Yeah. Right. You it's know, a great race. Yeah. 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 Amazing.
2: And as a 10 miler, it's, it's best in the country. It's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah.
1: And, it's, and it's downhill.
0: Right.
2: And it's downhill. <laughs> so Although I, I got to tell you, I think it's a fallacy. Like, like, yeah, granted, overall, it's higher elevation to lower elevation. Right.
1: But they're, but they're, it's yeah. not like big
2: hills, but there's some ups along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: I thought the same thing going yeah. in. Everyone's like, it's downhill, it's downhill. Yeah. And I right. was like, well, this isn't for sure going to PR. And then right. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm going uphill <laughs> right. a couple times. right yeah. And there's so. like a million people around you. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but I thought like tonight would be interesting like, if, if we centered tonight's topic around running. Mm-hmm. And, and the weather's getting nicer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's almost 60 degrees still at night. We're getting two, three hours more of daylight. Right. I myself Feels just good. see so many more people out yeah. running. But I think what that comes is there was probably people that were running less in the winter, I would yeah. assume. And then that weather breaks and everybody goes out. And But with that, I'm from your side of things, I'm mm-hmm. sure more... Issues develop from that. That's when
2: the injuries happen.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I will say that that's a very consistent trend. So I still treat as a physical therapist Mm -hmm. um, in the traditional clinical setting. And there was a huge uptick in running-related injuries from COVID because gyms shut down, classes shut down, and Mm -hmm. it was an easy way to get out and social distance and stay active and get outside of the four walls of your house. And so um, there was definitely that uptick um, where people progressed their mileage very quickly right their frequency of how many mm-hmm. times a week they were running and maybe that none to run you know they started at ground zero yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and really took off um, i was a
0: couch to 10 milers basically is <laughs> yeah. the way i look at good it good right? work yeah. though man yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i ended up dropping like 25 pounds and you know awesome. and, but i i remember thinking like this is probably why everything hurts as well you know in the beginning but you talked about so that uptake of injuries. What, mm-hmm. what are those injuries that you would typically see? Let's start with like a novice runner, somebody that's just picked up running. And I'm going to compare it to like kind of what I went through. What are those things you see as a physical therapist?
1: I would say your beginner runners are going to experience knee pain and shin pain. So sometimes they'll complain of that as like a shin splint or like a pressure feeling mm-hmm. and then anterior knee pain. I would right. say are the two most common injuries that you'll see. Yeah. From a physical therapist standpoint or for anyone that's working with runners, you know, we we want to make sure and rule out a bone stress injury so sure. that tibia, that anterior shin pain that you're feeling is is from muscle and not from mm-hmm. bony, you know, a bony response. Um, but I would say those are probably your two most common injuries that you'll see in someone who's really starting to take off from from mm-hmm. nothing yeah. or from minimal.
0: And then when you see those injuries in the, in the uh, exam room, Doc, I mean, how are you deciphering through you know, a stress injury or, you know, muscular related.
2: Right. All right. So, you know, you go through the exam and you're asking a number of questions. First, you want to start off with sort of the history there. And um, Brittany sort of hit the nail on the head in terms of the history. How quickly did you increase your, has there been a change in your running program? a change in your mileage, a change in your mm-hmm. frequency, a change in footwear mm-hmm. and whatnot? And if there's been a relatively quick acceleration in that you're becoming a little more suspicious or worried about the possibility of a, yeah. of, of a stress fracture. Yeah. Stress fracture tends to be a little more point tender. There's a couple of different tests that we can do. A Fulcrum test is a little bit wor- worrisome for possible stress fracture versus more of this generalized tenderness along really frequently the, the what I would call the, the anterior medial angle of the tibia. So it's kind of in the front and um, across to the inside there um, versus point tenderness. Um, I also will frequently Tap along the tibia, mm-hmm. and, and and typically, if you're with a stress fracture, it tends to localize a little bit more, um, pretty pretty specifically, as a as opposed to this more generalized issue. And if you if there is a suspicion for that, sometimes it's fairly clear, but there's clear, obviously there's overlap, but you don't know just definitively. You obtain X-rays. If you can see it on X-ray, uh, if there's that little little line there, that's a big worrisome sign, right? and usually it's been there for a little while. Not to get too into the weeds on it, which is what I always do. There's something called the <laughs> dreaded black line, which is a small little black line that you see on the, the front, the anterior cortex of the femur, which is a very worrisome sign. Mm-hmm. That means that someone's, and you get a little bit of beaking, a little like kind of callus, bone callus attempts to heal mm-hmm. across it. And if somebody's showing those signs, and that that's, it takes us down a whole nother pathway. Oftentimes it comes a surgical pathway. It's rare that you see that. Someone's not getting better. You're kind of taking the appropriate steps to get them better, and then sometimes you need higher level imaging, either a bone scan or an MRI, to actually look and see. Yeah, no, this is this more of this shin splints, periostitis, you know, a number yeah. of different names for a similar thing, or is this actually a stress fracture? And you address it, treat it differently. Stress yeah. fracture, you got you got to shut them down. Yeah. You just need some time.
0: So you mentioned a few of the injuries that you would commonly see. What does your evaluation look like when they come and see you at the clinic?
1: So really with any runner, um, I think the most important thing is your history taking. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times that kind of leads you down to how you're gonna structure your exam, although your exam will be all encompassing regardless of what structure is involved. But um, the history really kind of sets the stage for what your clinical thought process is gonna be as you're evaluating that that patient. So if it is really, you know, if it's a bony response, um, versus a soft tissue response, for a generalized soreness, very, very local soreness. One, you know, the big things we're gonna look at are adequate range of, range of motion and flexibility and strength throughout the kinetic chain. Sure. Sure. So we want to make sure that they have first MTP extension at their great toe, right. that they have mm-hmm. angled dorsiflexion, that they're able to perform, you know, our break tests where I'm gonna manually push down, can you resist my force mm-hmm. at different muscle groups? Mm-hmm. How do you perform a single leg squat? How do you perform a Mm -hmm. lateral step down So We're gonna look at all of those things, flexibility, core strength, just to get a picture of what kind of the baseline strength is in a static position. And then, you know, if they're not in that acute phase, are we able to put them on a treadmill, take a look at their run, Mm -hmm. to see dynamically what that looks like. And usually we'll start to see some common trends throughout that evaluated evaluated process that really, again, kind of set the stage with that about with the history team for for me
2: that's 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 the awesome part right like that that's that's kind of the next level part of the analysis or the evaluation if if you are able to put them onto a treadmill see their mechanics evaluate the mechanics and hey how that can can contribute and 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 that's a skill right like Mm -hmm. we don't all learn how to do that that's very specialized skill
1: Yeah, I mean, I am very grateful for my past experiences where I started a running program a good eight years ago out in Pittsburgh. Right. Um, And it grew, and I would see, you know, in our first year of the running program, we saw well over 100 runners. And I evaluated runners all the time. And so I would use, you know, frame by frame, two-dimensional capture that we would look at, initial contact, into loading response, and what's happening at push-off and it it did start to train my eye to start to pick up things Mm -hmm. and the details of things um, when looking at runners.
0: Maybe my idea for tonight was a bad idea because now I'm (laughs) I'm just getting a little discouraged um, because maybe I wasn't even a novice runner at the time, but uh, all my issues seem to be further down the chain. So I was dealing with like in those first three, four weeks of this gentleman's program, Mm -hmm. just bilateral plantar fasciitis. Oh, okay. Left Achilles tendonitis, mm-hmm. right posterior tibs. But I didn't really have anything more up the shin. I mean, if you had to get, like, not knowing all... And these were self-diagnosed. I didn't see a doctor, but I feel like I know enough to understand. You know, what could that have been attested to?
1: So that is... That's pretty typical for males.
0: Okay. And your age. Yeah. Um, Old? Not really. No. No, right. right. <laughs>
1: so, uh, you know, and overwhelmingly... You know, for my clinical practice, I would, I would say probably 60/40 female male is what comes in the door, and then of that 60 female. I would say probably seventy-five percent is knee-related pain, mm-hmm. right. and then twenty-five percent, and then the biggest percentage outside of that knee is probably shin. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really biasing here, and I'm, I'm yeah. this is oh. clinical experience, not necessarily from a literature standpoint. Sure. Although there's some consistency there. That's what we there. prefer here, right? Um, yeah. But I would, but males, and when you look at the literature with that too, and clinically you'll see it too. Males tend to run different than females, Mm -hmm. Um, and more commonly, they do have that distal presentation of Achilles tendonopathy and plantar fasciitis. Yeah,
0: I remember, you know, I used to have to kind of report my times and my miles to him, and when I finally started addressing my issues, I got the sudden call, like, and I'd rather not get into what my times were, because I don't want people to (laughs) judge me, but it was like, so, what's up? Because you're... When I finally started to like correct these things, my miles per, uh, m- you know, minute went down about 60, 65 seconds. And I was like, well, for the last month and a half, I've just been dealing with all these things. What would your suggestions be, you know, for any of these types of injuries, what is the best course of action? And I'm just kind of curious if maybe I was already on the right path. Is it, is it just the, the rehab component of things? Is it strengthening?
1: Strength is a big part Mm -hmm. of it. I'm going to be completely honest and not to call you out.
0: Mm -hmm. I think think
1: that people are very hesitant to seek medical attention Mm -hmm. and it comes in too late. And at that point, it's almost like. We need to slow you down and we need to, Mm -hmm. to build up more resiliency. Had you entered a little bit earlier, we we might not be slowing you down. We might be coinciding in our rehab. That's what I was afraid of.
0: You asked me why, and I was like, I I just, I mean, I'm three weeks into this. I don't want him to like start backing off, you know? And And
2: And it's it's tough. Runners got to run. Like like people who run and it's so hard to tell a runner not to run. But when you come in late like that, that's the answer. And and that's tough.
1: Yep. Yep. And I mean, when you look what I'll tell people all the time who, you know, are hesitant about seeking medical attention, I'm like, look, if you've got an acute tendinitis, you're looking at like a three to seven ish week time frame from healing. When you've got a chronic tendinosis where the tendon is now chronically inflamed, you're looking at Three to six months, potentially, from a rehab standpoint. Yeah. So, if you're able to intervene earlier, and look, if you go see a physical therapist and they want you to stop all activity, you don't provide any recommendations, mm-hmm. and don't outline a clear path for how you're going to maybe modify what you're doing right now, but long term, this is how the vision of where this is going to go, I would recommend seeing a different physical therapist. Yeah. Because ultimately, we're in a profession to keep you going and, yes. and we want you to be running. Right. Um, and so there is this kind of unfortunate fear that you're going to enter the system or you know, enter the medical system and we're going to be like, you need to stop running. Yeah, right. everyone really, wants to shut you down. Right, and right. we don't want to. Rarely am I like, yeah. I actually, I may not want you running five days a week right. um, and we'll talk about total mileage but we want to keep resiliency in the system. And if you totally shut down, then it's going to be harder to you to come back.
0: At the time when I had started this program, I remember a lot of it centered around, you know, my wife's work schedule, the baby's Mm -hmm. schedule. And sometimes it'd be like, oh man, like I didn't know she was going to nap right now. I'm going to go get my run in right now. Such is life. And I I felt like that was what led to my lot of my issues. I would say since that time in 2020, I am probably, I might be the biggest component of a warm up and how effective that is. And uh, maybe you could touch on that. I mean, do you feel the same way?
1: Absolutely, I think a dynamic warm up is helpful. I think a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of people put a lot of bulk into the stretching aspect of mm-hmm. it, like static stretching. And you know, when we look at the literature and when I look and when I hear from a clinical standpoint, Stretching is beneficial, but it's not as protective as right. as people think it is. Yeah. Um, right. Where really strengthening is is more of your protection, you know. Right. And build again. I'm going to say this probably over and over again, and the listeners are probably going to be like, "Enough with it already!" <laughs> like, you know, you got to build capacity. You got to right. build resiliency. And how are yeah. you going to do that? You're not going to do it by stretching. Right. Right. You're going to do that by strengthening. Yeah. Running is five times your body weight. Yeah. Like you you can't just run. You need yeah. to be stronger than. Yeah what the running
2: forces are. So it's funny that, that you mentioned that, the whole dynamic, you know, so, so static stretching. So I, I, I have two marathons under my belt at this point in time. Oh, and, I'm and, sorry, and, doc, no, no, no. jeez. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not this, not you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and, and but of course, um, I'm getting older. Every time I start to try to get, get a little heavier, every time I just start to try to run, tweak, tweak this, tweak that. And so I, uh, I was working with uh, with Jess Harrison, one of, one of the mm-hmm. physical therapists that we've had on for a, a number yeah. of shows, and she's awesome. And she would just kind of hammer me because I just do what I did, right? Like yeah. I just stretch. And and she'd be like, oh, static stretch. And she would hammer me on. And the same thing, like... Smart and, girl. Right, right. And <laughs> every time that I would get into the same program, like I would start to go down this road. All right, I got I to gotta start running again. And then I would tweak something and then i get hurt and then I'm done and I'm shut down for a little while. Then I wait and then it finally gets back. And I go back out there, and I tweak the next thing, and there's this whole push like a, you have to work out, you have to build your strength before you even start your running program, and then when you're when when you're when you're getting ready for your runs, dynamic stretching, stop this static nonsense.
1: You know, I completely get it because we all know how to stretch. Right. We all don't necessarily know how to do strengthening exercises, right. and more importantly, what strengthening exercises to do. And right. so it can be daunting. And, and you know, I think there was this misconception for all these years that if you did strengthening exercises with weight, you're going to turn super bulky into this like power lifter physique, and then you're not going to be able to run. And unfortunately I think that's kind of gone to the the side a bit, but it, but it is a lot easier to stretch than it is to build a strengthening program. And so I can, I can completely understand why people do it and how we fall into kind of that trap of, I'm going to run and I'm going to stretch and I'm going to keep my body healthy that way.
0: Right. I remember it, it it probably saved me, but I remember at one point just working into my warm up. Uh, I grabbed a uh, Green TheraBand and I just started doing all my ankle strengthening stuff. And it was just suddenly like, God, even doing it like, you know, that eversion doesn't hurt as bad as it was a week ago, you know, and I think just that's what really like got me through like the Achilles tendonitis and the plantar fasciitis and the, that posterior tip thing was really what was killing me. And then even more importantly, I, I just started, uh, you know, I took a page out of Mike's playbook over at the energy lab and I just started incorporating a lot of like glute activation. So just bridges and, you know, uh, lateral step downs, things yeah. like that. And I remember like that, I, I'll never forget it that first run where it was like I was three houses down and I was like, huh, nothing hurts yet. And then, <laughs> Five houses, yeah. I was like, you know, you're kind of like, oh man, like, man, like this feels pretty good. And it like, Brittany, I swear, I felt like I was flying. Yeah. yeah. Because that was the first time where I was like, maybe you could touch on it later, but like I have that app where it's like, we get to that mile and it gives you your time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I feel like I'm doing really good today. And then here comes on that thing through my uh, AirPod and it's like, Well, that can't be right. That's like a minute and a half faster. But I was like, I mean, (laughs) nothing does hurt, you know? Like, it just felt amazing once you kind of started working through everything. And Mm -hmm. I swear, ever since then, it's like people come into the energy lab. Like, well, I just, you know, can I skip the warm up? No, no, no. Like, there's a reason why we're doing this stuff, you know?
1: That's like, I feel like the aha moment that you just described. And like one of the, you know, the turning point in the rehab. And like, Mm -hmm. really what makes me feel good and good inside is when the runners come in and they say like, wow, I feel so much stronger in my stride. Right. Um, And they can appreciate really the difference in how they're able to push the ground and contact and versus like, I'm just running and I'm just going through the motions.
2: Right, right. Jay mentioned, you know, some of the ankle, the plantar fasciitis, and some of those types of injuries, but a little bit higher up the kinetic chain. What are some of the other stuff that we start to see? Hamstrings, uh, IT band, hips, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, so I would say in my clinical experience and maybe this is lending to a little bit more of your advanced runner um or who's a runner who's been running for a long time hamstring issue can be um definitely an issue your hamstring is are working in a lengthened position, in a shortened position, at the hip and at the knee. So from anyone who doesn't have a medical background, your hamstrings cross both your hip and your knee, which means that they can manipulate your hip and they can manipulate your knee. And so during our running stride, we're gonna ask that muscle to produce um, demand at our hip and knee in both a lengthened and shortened position. And that's a lot of demand for a person. Right. You're doing that over and over and over again, depending on how many strides you're going to take and whatever amount of distance drive you're going to do. So, you know, if someone is not doing their share along the kinetic chain, whether that's our plantar flexors or something like our glute max, mm-hmm. which oftentimes happens with individuals who have hamstring. Tendinopathy, then all of a sudden now, instead of doing, you know, hypothetically 60% of the demand, now they're doing 75% of the demand. And you're going to wear out that hamstring faster because it's not being able to share the load as much from a more proximal or a more distal muscle. Um, So I would say hamstring issues are pretty common. Oh, yeah. And they present kind of classically when you evaluate them from a clinical standpoint as well. And again, all comes down to the history and you'll hear that. You'll hear that right from the beginning as
2: well. Is, is there any preventative stuff that you can work on? And, and, and let's say someone comes in for an evaluation. Is there anything that you're looking for during the run evaluation so, to identify? Hey, yeah. this could be a potential issue for you. We're gonna we're gonna focus on this.
1: Yeah. So I think one evaluating just the strength of the glute max. Mm-hmm. And when you go to sometimes when you just go to isolate glute max strength testing, you'll people will feel like oh I'm cramping in my hamstring. Well, right. your hamstring is trying to, to you know to again do that job Constancy. and take it away from your glute. Right. And then from a running standpoint, um, we do we see decreased hip extension at toe-off. And we'll just see that they tend to be a really knee-dominant mover. Um, and you'll see, again, kind of see throughout the trend that they're not getting a lot of hip extension not mm-hmm. firing
2: Interesting. Right. right, right. So you're focusing on that. And, and there's just differences, I guess, in the way that people run. Someone, someone does use their hips a little more, almost like in swimming, right? Some people some yep. people can kick at the hips and some people kick at the knee. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. And right.
1: some people are fine. You know, some people... Biased to running a certain way and are totally fine, and then others are not. Right, and a lot of runners have a combination of the you know kind of common errors that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, where yes, if I'm treating someone for knee pain, but I'm seeing that they're not getting into a lot of hip extension at toe off, it's something that I will also integrate into right. their rehab standpoint. I, yeah. what I
0: find that very interesting because uh, I, I spent the last eight, nine years working in football. And there was always that common like, uh, discussion where you know, the, the fat guys don't pull their hamstring because they're not moving fast enough. But you know, it was always the speedy receivers, things like or that. Did you just that. call me? <laughs> <laughs> but in, when I ran the Broad Street in person, you know, I went home and I had that typical Dom's the next day. Mm-hmm. Right. And then ever since then, so that was October 10th of 21, I felt like I have this bad hamstring strain. And I've been like, I was always like, well, I never once really accelerated anything. So I don't know how I would have injured my hamstring to a point where it's like, if I do like an RDL, I feel it, you know, and I'm like, I just don't understand how this would be a hamstring issue.
2: You're throwing out a lot of acronyms. Yeah, I'm not sure everybody's following, but okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Dom's and RDL's. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, okay. Yeah. So Dom, yeah, well, we all know Dom's just that delayed muscle. Like everything hurt that Dom night when I got home. And right. then I actually, I remember calling the running coach about a year later and said like, look, the first four or five miles, I remember thinking, I don't know what I paid that guy for last year because I was doing great. But what i don't remember happening when i did it virtually was like hitting this wall where everything started becoming really difficult and then I, like by like mile seven i was like oh no i mean no, i guess now i see it right yeah. and i definitely i remember texting him after the virtual one in 20 like i, I want to get back out there in a day or so like i'm ready and i've been lingering with this hamstring maybe glute mead strain tear for you know on five six months now and of course, Broad Street switched back to May, so I'm registered for six weeks from now. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. like. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, so you, were, you were touching on that, where the hamstring, I mean, it's crossing multiple joints and mm-hmm. doing a lot of different things.
1: And you're saying what a lot of people say is it, the hamstring lingers, you right. know, and it's one of those nagging pains that yeah. doesn't always, you know, if you're a sprinter, you know, you're in mm. the football field right. and you're, you know, like if you injure your hamstring in that regard, yeah, it's gonna knock you out, yeah. you're gonna be out. But like the hamstring from like a distance run standpoint, they tend to be just annoying yeah. and they're consistent. Right. And they're it's really hard to break that cycle to really build up, again, mm-hmm. that resiliency in the muscles so that it gets out of that like tight feeling like I just constantly feel like right. either it's either proximal up and where yeah. it inserts into the glute, or it's in that mid-belly mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter what exercise you do, it just kind of lingers on and you feel it and it just, it won't go away. Right. And that is really common yeah. in what we hear from a clinical standpoint.
0: And a lot of these things, I mean, is, when this like the compensation of things really start to become like worrisome for you as the treating yeah. physician? Whereas like they're, they're not reporting everything, but now other things are starting to develop.
1: Yeah. I mean, do I, am I naive and think that everyone listens to all of my recommendations? Like absolutely not. And so, you know, I think the biggest thing that I try and portray to my runners, to my patients is I'm going to give you as many resources and as much advice as I can in our time together so that you understand why I'm doing these things with you. And therefore, when something comes up, you have an idea of, oh, maybe it's because I did X. Maybe right. it's because I drank too much alcohol and right. I ran three nights in a row. Right, right. You know, and it's and so, I'm not giving uh, my body a chance to recover. And so, you know, again, from a not saying that that's I feel not, like you're pointing right. X, at I know. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I get you, I get <laughs> you, Brittany. I get Hypothetically, you. hypothetically, yeah. right. So, you know, again, I think that. I try not to call people out, mm-hmm. right? Life is life and yeah. work and kids and whatever else is going on in your, you know what I mean? I, I understand. Um, again, I think the biggest thing is that not only am I going to tell you and teach you the exercises, but I'm going to tell you why yeah, so that, you know, and then when, you know, something seems off, you don't just immediately get frustrated and think it's, Oh my God, here my body goes again. Yeah. I've got this wrong with me now. I'm just not built to run or I'm not built to run beyond this distance. It's like, no, okay, well, I think maybe this happened because I did X or I didn't do this. And so let's try that. Mm -hmm. And usually, you know, we can kind of talk through and figure out, you know, how can we be better, be better moving forward.
0: Right. Right.
2: Can you tell us a little bit um, and you hear about it all the time. You know what? Yeah, IT band. How yes, does that, that affect? That was my thing? next question right, too, right, right, All right, Yeah, that's, that's
0: where we're going. That's where I was going with the compensation. Because yeah. now I feel like I'm developing on the contralateral side this IT band tendonitis.
1: Yeah. So your IT, like if you're experiencing like lateral knee pain, mm-hmm. that commonly is your IT band, yeah. and that can just arise from a from a couple different things. Usually, it's an imbalance and Flexibility and a strength standpoint. Mm-hmm. And it's just the weakest link along the chain. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so building not only resiliency in your system, but also variability. Mm-hmm. A lot of times runners will only do certain exercises. Right. Really, we need to load the we need to load the limb in different ways. Running is a very sagittal plane motion, mm-hmm. but with that being said. There's also demands moving in frontal and transverse plane as well, yeah. meaning it's not just bending and straightening your knee. There's also rotary components to it and moving the limb in and out. And so if you only do exercises that are really bending and straightening your knee, yeah. flexing and straightening your hip,
2: I'd be missing something. you're
1: probably missing something. And then you're asking your body to dynamically control that motion rapidly, yeah. repetitively. You know, you need to... to Provide some variability um, in your training.
2: What about up at the hip? Sometimes people will have this. You know, and you're right. You're, you mm-hmm. know, pain on the outside of the knee. That's uh, that's mine. What about up at the hip?
1: So the hip, you may experience hip flexor tendinopathy. Mm-hmm. Some runners will start to experience anterior, like a labral tear in the hip, from all the mm-hmm. loading. Much more significant. Yeah. Yep. In right, right. the repetitive flexion, and then, yeah. not that I want to put an age on this or a number on this, but sometimes like older patients will experience um like bursitis at the hip yeah um we'll present
0: maybe put an age on that yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk, off air. Yeah, we'll talk <laughs> off air you know
1: where there's this bursa on the side of the hip that yeah. can get irritated and inflamed right. and once that happens it can be difficult to mm-hmm. calm it down yeah. so there are, you know there could be a, a muscle issue at the hip like yeah. it's mentioned your hip flexor it could sure. be more non-contractile where it's your bursa, or you know i, I think in this
2: particular talk uh, uh it's one thing i do have to mention um and and so i you know i'll give it i give a talk to the residents you know kind of a standard talk every year and i go through different hip injuries hip pathologies tends to be pretty tricky to figure out sometimes it's mm-hmm. a lot of overlap and whatnot mm-hmm. and, and and you'll having spent 10 years in pittsburgh I, th- I i think you'll recognize this and like this but um ha- about halfway through the talk i i I show a picture, and it's a picture that I took when I was in Pittsburgh, oh. and it's a picture of a car that's at CVS, that's um, CVS is in Squirrel Hill, yeah. right next to the JCC. Oh, no, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly
2: right. exactly. Yeah. And so, so this car, somebody drove their car into the brick wall right next to the <laughs> CVS, and the bricks had collapsed all around it. And I take a, I took a picture at the at the top there, and and yeah. you see that this car is driven into a brick wall and i and i start i say you know sometimes something that looks pretty bad and then i have the next slide is a picture of the other side i'm standing in the parking garage at the jcc and the car is hanging off like a basically like a 15 foot ledge because the jcc parking garage is much lower and just kind of teetering there so so on the other side of the wall you see just how bad this could potentially be and i say sometimes this you know this this what seems pretty bad could be a heck of a lot worse than you anticipated. Yeah. And and that's my, and then I tell the resident, like, like if you get one thing out of this talk, this this is what you need to take away from the talk. Exactly. And we start talking about ephemeral neck stress fracture. Oh,
1: yeah. Right. right. Yeah.
2: So, you know, what are your thoughts on that Ian? and um, warning signs or concerns? And, and I can get into treatment-wise a like, bit I don't like the way this more. sounds. What's that? I don't like the way this sounds. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's a little different.
1: I think when you work with runners on a consistent basis. Right. You know, and I hate to say this, but I think you're always in the back of your mind ruling out.
2: One hundred percent ruling out.
1: Ruling out any type of stress reaction. And if it's femoral neck. Yeah. That, you know, if my suspicion of I'm not consistently eliciting these symptoms with muscle contraction or with compressing the labrum. And the symptoms are kind of vague. They seem to be more with weight bearing. That's an immediate referral out to make sure that there's not a stress fracture. Totally. Yeah. Um, and it applies really up and down the chain, but even more so in the proximal neck. Yeah. And I knock on wood. I feel really lucky that I've only had a couple in my my career. But there, it's not a good day for a patient who has that diagnosis.
2: And, and the concern there is a, you know, what what is a stress fracture could complete but displace, and in, mm-hmm. in, in, in a young active person, that that's it. That's a that's a nightmare, right? Like this is a young active person, and it could lead to some really really big issues down the line. Yeah, and so so you know that anterior growing pain, the pain that's kind of in the front, and the pain that doesn't get better, it's worse with activity. You know, we're we're, we're super worried about that and. and you got to stop running and sometimes you need to be on crutches temporarily until you know, until you've ruled it out. Like you said, it mm-hmm. is not a stress fracture and stress fracture. Typically there, there, there are two varieties uh, in the, in the femoral neck, uh, one that's on what we call the, the, the superior, the top part of the femoral neck. And that's under a distractive force. Every time somebody puts weight on it, it's sort of separating. And that one really, it needs surgery. It needs to be pinned. It needs mm-hmm. to be fixed. And then there's the other variety, which happens at the inferior, the bottom part of the neck. And, uh, Fortunately, that one's in compression. Every time a person puts weight on that, it's sort of closing down that fracture site and causing compression across the fracture site. So the good news there is it takes time, and it actually takes more time than I think most docs give it, but it heals. It heals on its own. But but if that's there, you have to address it. Also, that's the cue to, to address a number of other potential issues, right? Right? Like nutrition and whatnot and all mm-hmm. the other issues that go along with with potentially leading to a stress fracture. But yeah, yeah. So, you know, of anything else that we talk about today, that's the one sort of disaster that you just don't want to miss. Mm
0: -hmm. Brittany, so far, uh, you are the first Energy Lab employee that has been kind enough to join us. And that is a direct shot at Mike Vitus, who's been (laughs) conveniently skating Tuesday nights down here with us. He's always on board. (laughs) He's He's always on board, but it's like, "Eh, let me know, let me know. Um, But I was wondering if you could kind of tie the Energy Lab together in terms of, what is your thoughts on like the importance of a strength training regimen while someone's running? And I could tell I know what Mike's theory is, and it's the stronger you are, the better you are right. at everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that how you look at it from your perspective?
1: I yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm gonna do a little plug here for myself, but um, please do. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I am adjunct at Rocker's. Mike, some of the colleagues there. Berker's University were doing a strength in high school or a research study of um, high school runners, looking at the strength mm-hmm. because of how important we really think total body strength mm-hmm. is in protecting injuries. Yep. So any high school runners out there, anyone that works with high school runners mm-hmm. and are interested in the study, please reach out to me. Um, Perfect. But absolutely, I think that a lot of times runners will put time into developing a running progression or like a weekly running progression they'll take into consideration their mileage how that progression (laughs) is going to look and at the end of the day life gets in the way of anything else (laughs) right right? Mm -hmm. and so the last thing you can do is is go beyond that to look at okay there's seven days in the week I ideally want to run four days a week that means I should strength train two to three days a week that means I should cross train with something else that means I should incorporate some balance of parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, and that's really where a strength coach can come into play. We we sit down with you, we hear your interests. You know, what do you enjoy doing? We're not going to make it. And I think that's a part of it too. Is people think like, oh, we're just going to give you generic exercises that you're not going to enjoy yeah. doing. And that's not that's not it. Right. Um, the exercise will be targeted based upon specifically what we see from an assessment standpoint. Yeah. Right. But we we will sit down with you and we will map out. So then you know, okay, I want you running ideally, you know, this amount of time or these amount of days, this amount of weekly mileage. And then also on your other days, this is what I want you to be doing. Yeah. Um, which again, we just, you know, most of us don't have the time to, to put that much time and thought into okay. anything beyond just putting your running shoes on and going out and running. Right.
0: When we get that call or, you know, for the times that we have people that call the energy lab you know, interested in your services. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe like just 30 seconds summarize? I'll tell, I mean, obviously we're gonna put them in touch with you, but can we, can we summarize over the phone, what is it that Brittany Lynch does for her clients?
1: Yeah, so I'll sit down with each individual runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll hear your running history, your injury history, what your goals are immediate mm-hmm. and long-term what's worked, what hasn't worked for you, Mm -hmm. and really what you're looking to get out of the session Mm -hmm. with me. And then we, after that, we go through a very thorough evaluation, looking at different strength, movement patterns, flexibility, range of motion, and then put you on the treadmill, record you running from a two-dimensional standpoint, as well as with um, like little GPS pods that go on your shoes and your pelvis that give a little bit more data than just what your eye can see. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, how much time you spend on the ground with each foot, right. your vertical oscillation. So are you bounding? Are you going up really mm-hmm. high, um, you know, and you're not only the amount of pronation, but your rate of pronation and that excursion. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of taking you to step beyond just the visual aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. It's
0: very, it sounds very thorough, all inclusive. Ther- yeah, yeah. So
1: it, you know, it takes like 60 to 90 minutes depending upon yeah. Yeah. the person we're
2: fortunate it's kind of cool right like we, yeah. we look at who who where people listen to the, the podcast and whatnot and it's kind of all all over the world and, and it's kind of yeah. crazy cool to see that but but a, a a large component of that of that population that's listening to the podcast i think because of the philadelphia attraction mm-hmm. kind of the philadelphia favoritism within within the show i i don't know the best way to word um there are a lot of people in this area that wind up that this, this yeah. is the, the, the biggest draw right right so if someone does want to come in for an evaluation. What's their? What's the best way to get a hold of you? My email.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which I'll give right. you guys. Yeah. I think and you already I, have it. But yeah, I'll and, give it and again.
0: We'll, we'll share all the information uh, when we release here. Um, we'll have we'll share it on social media. You know the number for the Energy Lab. Energy how Lab, I think get, would be the big way. How to yeah. get in, for in touch the with the uh, with How to get in touch with us at the Energy Lab. We'll right. get in touch with Brittany. Right. And, you know, and we can set everything up that way. That might be the best way to do it. I would think you know. so.
2: Right.
1: Sounds good.
0: Yeah. All right. Brittany, I can't thank you again.
1: Yeah, thank you guys. I yeah. appreciate this opportunity. The, the other
0: twist here was I think you passed my test and I am very interested in your services. <laughs> right. uh, Dr. Bernardini, if you're listening as the owner, I, I don't know if there's a recon employee discount, right. um, but right. uh, I'll be hitting you up for that as well. But I guess truth be told, you were going to pass a test no matter what.
1: But
2: <laughs> So in all honesty, like, so, you know, Dr. Bernardini and I have been talking about like, you know, where are we going? What are some of the shows yeah. that we can do? And like, there was like 10 shows that we talked about, like if we really kind of drill down into the specifics of it that we could bring you on for, and, 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 you know, hopefully we're able to bring you back for some of the other topics as we get, you know, this was more of this sort of a general broad evaluation kind Mm -hmm. of thing, but like there are really a lot of stuff that we can go into. So at some point down the line, I hope, I hope we can get you back on as kind of get into some of the more specific. I would love it. I
1: teach, you know, I taught running biomechanics for the last eight years. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of nerd out with this. So right. anytime you want to have me back, exactly. I'd love to be here. And it's like a
2: huge resource. You don't yeah. find that everywhere. That's awesome. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, we'd like to take advantage of it. Great.
1: Thank you.
0: Before we go ahead on and close out our tab for tonight, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, of course, for hosting us each and every week, located right here at 614 Lambs Road. Kind of a chill night. Yeah, a little bit more low-key. And as always, our good friends at Timber Real Productions. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.